1: Welcome to the Budding Heads Podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Barrow, as always, joined by Johnny Gomez. And, you know, guys, me and Johnny, we talked about this before the podcast, and we, we decided we're going to make an announcement here, and that is that we we saw some highlights from the game. We saw, a most notably, when Brandon Coast got thrown, which was almost a touchdown pass, and Stephon Gilmore grabbed his arm a little bit, which should have been pass interference, and it wasn't called. So we're happy to announce that we will not be respecting the results of Super Bowl Fifty Three, and we'll actually be petitioning to have the game replayed from that moment. Uh, Johnny, you, you excited to get this process going, and what is surely going to be a thing that succeeds?
2: Oh, absolutely! I think uh, you know lawmakers have nothing else better to do than to overturn the results of a game that was clearly, clearly in the favor of the New England Patriots. So. Yeah, let's get started, Steve. You know, let's uh, let's go ahead and go up into uh, NFL headquarters and start picketing and and petitioning and just throwing a riot in front of the headquarter building. And you know, let's see let's see what they think of our rioting after what happened in this game.
1: And the Rams, the rest have been out to get the Rams all year, man. I mean, you go back to the NFC Championship, that hold. Or that face mask, I think it called in Jared Goff, almost cost us the game. I mean, the refs, we petitioned to get that crew off the game, and nobody listened because, as we know, change.org position petitions never have worked in the history of since the website's incarnation. So, yeah, man, it's time. We got we to gotta get this game turned around, uh, and we should be replaying it. And I think if we replay the game, the Rams are going to win because, you know, all signs pointed to the Rams being able to get a victory if that play goes the other way, given how they played the whole game.
2: Oh, absolutely. No doubt about it. And, you know, I I think we, we should definitely get that turned around because why not? Why not? We're fans. We, uh, we have voices. Our voice is going to be heard on this one, Steve.
1: Right. Yeah. Games only come down to one play. That that's all it is. It's one play is the only thing that matters in a game. Uh, (laughs) Okay, anyways, uh, moving on from that little bit, uh, we, you guys, this is, I believe, our 30th episode. I might be wrong. It might be 29, but I'm pretty sure it's 30. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Android, Player FM, and Spotify on the Rams Talk Radio feed, which is now being distributed by our friends at ClutchPoints.com. Grab the Clutch Point app if you can. We are the first team-based podcast from Clutch Points, which is an NFL and NBA website. We're very happy to be part of it. And, of course, don't forget to check out the other shows on the feed, Rams Talk Radio and Rampage Radio, two two great shows with a lot of talented hosts on those. Okay, so uh, obviously, guys, you're listening, you know the Rams. Look, we lost the Super Bowl. Uh, it was a pretty horrible performance by the offense. Defense played well um 13 to 3 was the final score johnny so i'll start here because i just kind of want to talk about our initial reactions to the game Uh, this is coming out on wednesday it's been three days i mentioned to johnny like i i I was kind of over listening to post-game material on this game after about a half an hour uh, of listening to our podcast so i mean i don't want to get too in details but this was a weird weird watch for me because I feel like I was just – no, the start of the game, you start out slow. It's like, all right, here we go. The defense is playing well. The offense will get it together eventually. I never really felt stressed during this game until – I think the only period of time I felt stressed was from when the Rams hit a field goal to tie it until the Patriots scored a touchdown uh, in the fourth quarter. And I mean – the game i know the game wasn't over when they scored the touchdown but that felt like it was gonna be tough to overcome that was a tough drive in general I, i don't know man it was just this game was just so weird like it was really it felt like a game either team could win until the very end when a team scored 10 points because the other team was playing the offenses both were just so abysmal I don't know. It just it felt like a weird game to watch. I was never really super stressed out watching it. Maybe it's because I I don't know. It's it just felt good being in this game and losing it sucks and I, I hate seeing Brady win his sixth ring. But I don't know, man. Give me give me how you felt uh, dealing with this game and the aftermath.
2: You know, obviously, I'm not going to say that uh, that I'm happy about the loss or anything because. You know, I couldn't be any more disappointed. But at the same time, I'm not devastated from it just because, you know, when you put a lot of things into perspective and you really think about what transpired, it wasn't the worst thing that could happen. I mean, the, the Rams didn't lose by like 30 or 40 points. They lost by 10 points. That's it. They held the Patriots to 13 points, which, you know, while the Patriots offense may not be elite, per se, to hold any Super Bowl contending team, or Super Bowl winner in this case, uh, to only 13 points, that's pretty impressive. I'm, I mean, they basically only held us to three, but that's, that's another story we'll get to in just a second. So, for me, like, it wasn't that devastating. I wish... I wish we would have won the game, but you know, like you said, it could have been anyone's ball game. And again, you really have to put things into perspective. I know a lot of us who are very passionate of the Rams are very passionate Ram fans will kind of come out of this game as, you know, saying like I can't believe we lost and, you know, that kind of passion and passive aggressiveness kind of just kind of eats at you a little bit. I've kind of been there a couple times, but in this case, when you really have a moment to to really think about it, think about it this way. We came from the Jeff Fisher era. You know, th- think long and hard about the Jeff Fisher era. Sean McVay's first season, he takes us to the playoffs. And while we didn't get very far... He still took us to the playoffs, something we hadn't seen in quite a long time. Then his second season, he takes us to the Super Bowl. Let that sink in for a second. In only two seasons, the Rams made it to the Super Bowl. And yeah, victory would have been great, but I'm actually proud of this team. You know, I I couldn't be any happier for this team, Uh, even with the Super Bowl loss. They did a they did a one one hell of a job, you know, and I I think this is going to be a team that's going to be good for a very long time, especially with Sean McVay, and I know we're going to kind of rag on him a little bit uh, on some of the decisions he made, but uh, before we get to that, I will make that point because we we forget how talented this guy is. For being so young but yes he's human too he makes mistakes too and unfortunately it happened during the super bowl but hey get over it it sucks but um at the end of the day i'm i'm happy with with the, how the season has come to be
1: like yeah if we told everyone when the team moved to la and whether that was you know us people that stuck with the team before that or even the, the newcomers that became fans when the team moved to L.A., if we told everyone, hey, three years from now, we're going to get to the Super Bowl, but lose, but we're going to be there with a lot of young talent, I mean, nobody is complaining about that, and yeah, it's, you, lo- you don't want to go into the Super Bowl and lose, nobody ever wants that, but uh, this was probably my favorite Ram season I've had in a very, very long time since, really, because I'm, I'm on the younger side, that I could really consciously remember, um, In yeah, Sean McVay is the guy that got us here, and yeah, I think, the most of this loss falls on him. I think he is culprit number one and I think that's okay. He's young enough to learn from it, but uh, I, and yeah, well, I, we don't have to get too of the X's and O's on this. I think uh, so later on in the podcast, we're going to kind of go position by position and talk about uh, how we feel about the positions heading into free agency and maybe what we do there. But McVeigh, one thing that struck me is that in this game, and in the Bears game, we started out bad. We had a bad first half, and now during the McVay regime, I think when we come out bad in the first half, it's usually the defense's fault, and the defense will adjust and have a great second half, but when it's been the offense, the the adjustments really haven't been there, and I think that's what I'd like to see McVay improve on as a coach moving forward. It's one of really the only things I can see him really needing to improve on is just adjusting to when defenses have you figured out and the offense is so good the system is so good a lot of the times it doesn't happen but it happened in this game and it happened in the Bears game and really there was just nothing done to kind of adjust to it and I think in the Bears game a little bit more like blame can go on Goff In, in the Super Bowl and I don't know how you felt about Goff I he obviously wasn't great um but I think if he got a little bit more time from the offensive line, if the receivers did a little better to get open, I think he would have been hitting more consistently on his throws. I think um, some of the throws, like obviously the the big one that he missed was the Brandon Cooks play. When he was in the end zone by himself, uh, Goff caught him late. He threw it. It was a good pass, but ultimately it was too late, and that was the problem. If he gets him earlier, scores a touchdown, and – who knows how this game turns out, but yeah, ad- adjustments are the one thing I want to see Sean McVay improve on, and I think that's the biggest story from this game offensively is that they didn't adjust, and there were some good performances here. Brandon Cooks especially, eight receptions for 120 yards. That was good to see from him um, coming back after getting knocked out of the Super Bowl last year, but as we saw, Johnny, he, he could easily had more, and he could easily had a touchdown or two if things go a little differently.
2: Yeah, as far as as far as golf is concerned, it certainly wasn't a great performance from him. I don't know if I completely put this on him, um, especially because you mentioned offensive line not having a great game at all, and, and a part of that too is because of what McVay did uh, or didn't do in this case. He basically didn't change up the offense at all. He made it very predictable and made it that much easier for the New England defense to come right in and just, you know, pick apart the the offense. And, you know, it it wasn't that hard. We knew immediately what was going to happen and, you know, didn't change it up. They didn't didn't really go into the playbook, which was kind of the disappointing aspect of the game there. In terms of golf, though, he isn't off scotch-free either. And while I disagree with his comments because he made comments after the game, and I think he's still making comments about it, saying that he pins the game on himself. And while, yeah, he didn't help the situation much And at times, I don't necessarily blame him completely. There was a few things that I noticed. Uh, you, you mentioned the timing. Yeah, timing was, wasn't quite there either. But his vision was a little off, too there was a couple of times he left a few receivers open and he could have made some great plays there. And I think it all just kind of boils down to the same thing, and that's inexperience. And clearly the experience was a factor in this game. And we kind of all saw that one coming because, you know, yes, you have one of the most experienced coaches and probably one of the best coaches of all time. You know, going up against a rookie head coach, I think You're,
1: I think we could safely say after this game, the best head coach of all time. Uh, you know, maybe he cheated sometimes, but a, a sixth ring. I mean, I I think we could put that debate to bed at, at least for me personally. That's true.
2: Yeah, that, that that's true. Also, uh, but yeah, going back to the point of experience, though, you know, uh, Tom Brady. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, one of the greatest of all time too. Yeah, you can interrupt me there too, Steve. You can
1: <laughs> no, I don't. I don't feel as strongly about that. I don't. He's up there, but I think um, you can still make cases for other quarterbacks.
2: We'll have to get into that that debate uh, during the off season. I, I'd like to kind of pick your brain on that one, but uh, I don't want to talk too much about that just now. Um, but yeah. Uh, debate their experience, Tom Brady versus—I mean, he's not technically a rookie, uh, but he compared to Tom Brady, he might as well be. And really, Jared Goff has has very limited playoff experience in general. But to come into your first Super Bowl, play against such an experienced team, yeah, I, I, I it, it was, it wasn't looking too good for either McVeigh or. Or uh, Jared Goff but in the end I think what really it boils down to is coaching and Sean McVay didn't make the necessary adjustments and I do think he did try a few things but it just wasn't working and I think in in the end he tried to use something that in his mind was uh was working at for him you know Uh, towards the end of the season a little bit. And, you know, it just wasn't working at all. You know, they had an answer for it. You know, uh, I'm sure Belichick studied a lot of film and, you know, had an answer for everything that McVay was going out there for. And his lack of creativity is what really did the Rams in. And, you know, can't win if you can't score, which is exactly what happened because had they even scored just a little bit, this is a very different game. And yeah, absolutely if uh Cooks has that touchdown grab, we we might we might um have a different story going, but unfortunately timing is is something that was off there and well, it, it happened, man. It just sucks.
1: You give up 13 points. I mean, that's a game the Rams should be able to win every time. Uh and I think that it's crazy that we're talking about McVay's lack of creativity. Considering how creative the offense is as a whole but i I don't disagree with you man i he we could have used some some new wrinkles uh some new creative things, and we didn't really see that and yeah I think sometimes for all the hate we get the patriots, and I mean let's be honest, fuck the patriots, but still like <laughs> we it's they're going through an unprecedented run of success, and we take it for granted sometimes i mean. Even if they lost the Super Bowl, it's still their ninth Super Bowl during the Brady and Belichick regime. I mean, that's insane. I, and for me, I know a lot of people, you know, when they talk about like LeBron, they like to bring up finals losses in the debate, but it's more impressive to go to nine Super Bowls and lose, even if they lost, to be five and four, nine Super Bowls, than it will be to be five and oh in five Super Bowls they're dominated. They've dominated the AFC for two decades. And not just like being in the playoffs every year. They've been in the AFC Championship almost every one of those years that they've been in the playoffs, and they've been in the Super Bowl for 2001 was that 18 years ago, they've been in the Super Bowl half of half of those years, which is unbelievable. And we're talking about the Rams being yeah, we've got some vets. I mean Wade Phillip is an experienced coordinator, but you got the youngest head coach in Super Bowl history. You got Jared Goff would have been the youngest quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl. I mean, these guys combined in age are I'm pretty definitely younger than Bill Belichick. Uh, I don't know if there's ever been a coach and quarterback combination younger than the opposing coach in a Super Bowl. So it's Belichick. Credit to him. The his defensive game plan was one of the best moments of his head coaching career, which has had a lot of moments. I mean. They dominated the the Chiefs and the Rams in the first halfs last two weeks, and these are two teams who put on the high, third highest scoring game in NFL history. So, I think as much fault as we can put on the Rams' offense, and rightfully so, Goff could have played better. The line certainly could have played better. McVeigh certainly could have coached better. You're going against a team that it it's rare that they get out coached, and they, they clearly didn't today. And I mean, it's just. I don't mean to be making this a praise the Patriots contest or podcast, but like, come on, man. Sometimes this shit will happen to a young team and it sucks, but, uh, what are you going to do, man? It's, it's a learning experience. We got to take our bumps before we can get back to the finals. And, uh, I mean, it's, this is year two of Sean McVay and the success he's had has far outweighed the, the bumps he's taken. And this is just one of them. Uh, I don't like I don't like trading the Patriots that much. Um, before before we put this game to rest, and I, we'll definitely touch on some other stuff when we go into our positional reviews. But I'm really proud of the way the defense played. Man, for them to not break throughout this game, despite how little they were getting from the offense, was a testament to Wade Phillips and Aaron Donald and the rest of that crew. Man, they played great. Um, and of course, our love some love for our man Johnny Hecker. Uh, eight punts. That was the most he has ever punted during the McVay era. And set the record for longest Super Bowl punt. So kudos to him. Uh I don't know what are your positive takeaways from this?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Defense was just absolutely amazing in this game. And we couldn't ask for really a better performance from them. Uh you know, some of the more brighter moments was seeing, you know, guys like Uh, And then Dominick come in and, uh, you know, put in a few hurt, uh, some pressures on on uh, Brady. You know, that was always nice to see. Always like seeing uh, Brady being knocked on his ass. That's I'll never get tired of seeing that. But um, on top of that, I I like seeing, uh, you know, Jonathan Franklin Myers get in there and make some impressive plays as well. You know, for me personally. I I was one that was a, a fan of uh Franklin Myers coming into the season and while he didn't um see too much action for obvious reasons uh I, I hope that you know that's a testament of what to, what to expect from Franklin Myers as we as he heads into a second season and um so yeah for for me Franklin Myers I think uh, is is someone to look forward to in the future. I, I don't know if he'll ever amount to being a starter, but if he does, uh, you know, that was one steal in the draft, if you ask me. Uh, but particularly secondary did fairly well. Uh, I mean, we didn't really have necessarily an answer for Edelman, which was kind of something we expected going in. So I can't really, you know, uh, get down too much on the defense for that. Uh, Grunk was actually limited for the most part. Uh, with the exception on the touchdown drive. But, hey, the man's one of the best tight ends. So, you know, you you can't blame a team that's pretty much helped Gronk most of the game to surrender one big play. And so for that reason, I I give him props for that too, because going into the game, he was one of uh, my biggest concerns going in. So happy that they kind of, uh, you know, limited his production there. And, you know, again, we talk so highly of Brady, but again, he only scored 13 points for the team or only, you know, gave him, you know, up to 13 points. So, uh, you know, that just shows defense really did shine in this game. How about you, Steve? What do you think?
1: I I mean, on Gronk, they did give up six receptions for 89, 87 yards. So not great. But I think. You know, if I had to predict Gronk's stat line going into the game, I probably would have said around that. Um, Edelman, I, I disagree with you on that. I think they deserve a lot of flack for that. Um, and now they've sparked this the dumbest Hall of Fame debate I've ever heard in my entire life, which I, <laughs> I don't know if I want to get into this podcast. Um, we're planning kind of a Hall of Fame podcast during the offseason. Maybe I'll save for that. But, dude... I'll just say this. If you have literally no no regular season accolades, you are not a Hall of Famer. And somebody on Twitter uh, compared, Lynn, mentioned Lin Swan as a reference to this, and that's kind of a fair comparison, but Lin Swan also made a one first-team All-Pro and two second-team All-Pros and three Pro Bowls. And I know Pro Bowls, yeah, it's a dumb stat. But if you've made no Pro Bowls, then it says something about you as a player, which is You're not a fucking Hall of Famer. Uh, I I mean, like, yeah, if you made, like, six – if people are throwing out, like, well, he made six Pro Bowls is like, a Hall of Fame debate, like, yeah, sure, that's probably a dumb stat. But if you've made zero, if at no point in your career did you get selected to a group of the best 100 players in the NFL in the Pro Bowl, then I'm sorry, you're not in the Hall of Fame. All right, moving on from that because (laughs) – Wait, wait,
2: wait, wait. Before we move on from that, I have a question for you, Steve. Yes. If – was a Hall of Really Adequate, would he get in?
1: Of course he'd be in the Hall Really Adequate. (laughs) I mean, look, he's a very good, he's a good player. He, he's second all time in playoff receiving yards, which is crazy to me. Uh, It's a pretty wild stat, but he's benefited from, and I know he's part of it, but he's benefited from being on this team and being in the playoffs every fucking year. And if (laughs) the, you know, if you replace Julian Edelman with a league average player, would he be doing what Edelman did in the playoffs? No. But would he be in the playoffs? Yes. They would have made the playoffs in probably the same seating or very similar every year if they just replaced Julian Edelman with a league average player. Now, maybe even say it was Danny Amendola just continuing to be in that role. Uh, I mean, he's a good player, but if you put in a guy like that in the Hall of Fame, it's just a bad president, and I'm sorry, it's stupid. And I'm at on Twitter at Seaverbar if you want to fight me about it. Um <laughs> You got me at a tangent now, man. Um <laughs> uh,
2: I am kind of entertained. I know our 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 guests are gonna be very entertained, so uh yeah, let's piss off Steve. Hashtag piss off Steve.
1: It's so stu- it's the <laughs> dumbest Hall of Fame of it I've ever seen. Um now, you got now we going. gotta uh,
2: I, people, we gotta we gotta piss off Steve even more. Do hashtag Jared, go- or Jared, Jared Cook for Hall of Fame and nothing will piss him off more.
1: I uh, One of our friends on Twitter, Austin Regier, uh, while I was going in about the Edelman debate, tweeted out um, a picture I sent you about how there was a Broncos radio personality talking about how they should go after Sean Mannion to be their starting quarterback. And I was looking at that. I was like, well – just when I thought I wouldn't see a worse take than Julian Edelman being Hall of Famer, we see somebody saying they should sign Sean Mannion as their starting quarterback. Oh, God, dude. Well, I don't even think we need to go back into the Super Bowl at this point. I think uh, we've kind of wrestled that out. And we'll, we'll talk more about Edelman's wrecking our defense when we get to the defensive backs in our position review. Um please, if you think Julian Edmond's a Hall of Famer, come fight me on social media. I will be there. Uh, and speaking of Hall of Famers, let's talk about this book that should be elected to the Hall of Fame. One of our sponsors, that's Jim Hawk, in his book, Hollywood's Team Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. This book tells the story of the 1950s Rams through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman from the team from 1953 to 1957. Now, coming off a historical super bowl performance for a lot of the wrong reasons Uh, if you want to get a little bit deeper into the rams history with a bit of a personal touch you got to check out this book guys it's a son's story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz glamour and future hall of famers read about players like norm van brocklin crazy legs hirsch tom fears and les richter and his story spanning the 1950s la rams you can find hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on twitter at hollywoodsteam.com it's available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. You can also find Hollywood theme through various other books on the internet. Guys, this book is worth every penny for Rams fans out there. But it's also just a fantastic story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, guys, trust me, you're going to want to check it out. Hollywood Team, grit, glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It's worth your time. All right, so... We didn't want to do Super Bowl the whole podcast, uh, as we mentioned earlier. So I think, Johnny, what we'll do is we'll look at every position, talk about who's here, uh, anyone we'd want back or don't want back. We don't need to talk about specific replacements on this podcast or, like, actual money allocations. I mean, this will kind of just be theoretical. But we'll start at the top with quarterback. Obviously, we're fine with Jared Goff, um, and this will be his last year on his rookie deal, I believe. So, it's going to be an important year for free agency and everything. Backup-wise, Sean Mannion, I'm going to assume we both want him not to be the backup quarterback, correct?
2: What? You mean to tell me we don't, we're we not going to replace Jared Goff with Sean Mannion?
1: No. And I remember when that was a take, an actual take, that he should be the guy that they start instead of Jared Goff as rookie year. But <laughs> we don't need to go. I guess – for quarterback this is going to be a quick one. Do you think they should address this with a vet in free agency, or use draft capital on a quarterback?
2: Yeah, I mean, for me, I'd be happy with drafting a quarterback. They want to take a a risk on you know later on in the draft, just because I think going uh, going for a veteran at this point would be too much money. And I know we're not getting too much into the take on on money at the moment but uh yeah i'd be okay with just you know taking a flyer on a uh, guy that makes good impression in the later rounds
1: yeah i'm cool with that maybe like a fourth round pick on a guy um the last time we took a quarterback in the third round it was Sean Mannion so i don't think we need to invest that high drop capital in one i wouldn't hate it though if that's where they chose to go but it's it's tough to really see where those picks are going to be going until after free agency plays out because as we're going to talk about there are positions in need but you know if we could get a vet on a cheap deal um, even if it's a little bit of an overpay for a one year deal I think I might be okay with it. Um, there were guys we saw that were just sitting out there last year that ultimately proved be good value most notably I think Teddy Bridgewater and RG three um, both back quarterbacks I'd be fine with I don't think. Bridgewater's going anywhere but RG3 is a guy who I think will be very available and I wouldn't mind having him as our backup uh but yeah quarterback probably the easiest one of these positions to break down besides maybe wide receiver but running backs obviously Todd Gurley gonna be back we, I I personally don't think he was injured I know a lot of people do um my take it and I've i've went over the stake on the podcast i mean cj anderson came into the playoffs hot Sean like clearly likes him and i think that's why he kept getting reps why Gurley was out there and not getting the ball too much that's a different debate but what we need to talk about here is you no know, on the roster right now we have cj anderson we have john kelly we have justin davis and malcolm brown i believe malcolm brown is gonna be a free agent and anderson obviously the free agent Do you think either of them will be back next season?
2: I'd like to have C.J. Anderson back. But if we're going to be realistic here, I highly doubt he is. I know there was reports kind of before the Super Bowl that the Rams were going to try and bring him back. But, you know, if I'm Anderson at this point, you know, he's already kind of I mean, he's not that old, but he's he's not the youngest guy in the league. So he could see a you know decent payday, and for a chance to get that money and an opportunity to become a starter, like the maybe a one-two punch. Also, uh, I think he can find somewhere else. There's plenty of teams in the league that'd be happy to have C.J. Anderson at this point. So I highly doubt C.J. Anderson comes back. Malcolm Brown, I think. If we can't get C.J. Anderson back, I I would think uh, Malcolm Brown is uh is is someone that we we would bring back because to be honest, he wasn't a bad backup, and it, he's actually made some of the most spectacular plays I've ever seen. So, um, and then on top of that, we still have a lot of faith in a guy like John Kelly. Justin Davis isn't too bad of an option either. So. I think to bring back uh, Malcolm Brown wouldn't be too bad, you know. Uh, I, I I do think Anderson's gone, though.
1: I would love to have Brown back. Unfortunately, I didn't think there was a chance until the injury, and unfortunately, I don't know what kind of money is going to be out there for him if a team would give him a real chance to play for a starting role. Um, for his sake, I, I hope that's possible. But if it's not, I wouldn't mind him back here on a. A cheap deal, which I think is very doable, True. and he was great backing up early. Uh, he did everything he was asked to do. He performed well when he was out there. So uh, I would love to have him back if we can't keep Anderson, which I do think it's possible. But I think there are going to be teams offering him pretty. Like I could see him getting a nice hefty one year deal in a. On a team where he's actually going to have a role, I think Kansas City would take would be smart to take a look at him. Pairing with Damian Williams, uh, I could even see new as much as what makes me want to throw up New Orleans uh, if they move on from Mark Ingram, which I think is likely. He could be kind of a guy to fill that void if they don't want to go all in on Kamara, which is stupid. But as we've learned over the past two weeks, Sean Payton isn't prone to making the wisest decisions, so maybe he will not give his full faith in Alvin Kamara. Um, I hear Kamara and Kamara in different places. And I honestly, I'm not sure which one it is, but I don't think that's really a topic we need to have on this podcast. If you can definitively tell me which one it is, please tweet at me. Um, but yeah, I think Anderson is going to have some suitors out there and I'm not sure if he's going to be back wide receiver. Um, I think we can both agree that there, it would be a complete waste of money to allocate any funds to this in the off season. Um, I saw Deshaun Jackson wants to come here. I mean, it, unless he's going to take a minimum deal, that'd be a waste. We have now four talented guys, so uh, I guess my—I'll ask you a question here. Do you think that there is trade value for Josh Reynolds, and that maybe we could flip him for um, kind of somebody in a similar role or a similar situation, who maybe like a safety or someone who took over for an injured player, played well, but isn't going to be that the starter when that guy comes back
2: you know it it wouldn't uh it wouldn't be a bad idea to kind of use him as trade bait I don't know what you can get out of him just because you know his best season by far was this season and if you look beyond or past that uh, you, you don't really have much else to go by So, I don't know what you can get out of him. And this could be, this could turn into a situation where he becomes a draft day trade, which wouldn't be that far of a stretch. I mean, that happens pretty frequently to um, teams that want to, you know, get rid of needs and don't necessarily want to take a a risk on, you know, the draft. So, uh, I could see this happening very much so, especially because, you know, your top two guys and Cooks and and, uh, and Woods, you know those those guys aren't going anywhere. They're your top two wide receivers. Cooper Cup is by far a better option than Reynolds. Not to say that Reynolds didn't have a good year, but Cup, you know, give me Cup over Reynolds any day, even an improved Reynolds. It's just the way it is. So you're basically going to have Reynolds, you know, as a guy that yeah you you'll get him you'll sneak him in here here and there. But uh, he, he won't see the field nearly as much as he did this past season. So, yeah, I could, I could see him as potential trade option, and I, I wouldn't mind doing that. And to tell you the truth, if we even think about bringing in Deshaun Jackson, I will be sick to my stomach because he absolutely does not belong here. And I could already hear his pre-Madonna, you know, just conversations about how he's not getting the football and uh, we don't we, ain't nobody got time for that. We don't we, we can't do that.
1: <laughs> I would have liked if we brought in Jackson um, like two years ago. But there's there's absolutely no need for him right now. Uh, Reynolds is going to be somebody that's interesting to watch if he's still on the team come preseason. Because I don't think he'll be happy just not playing like he did when Cooper Cup was healthy. And if he's on the roster, it'd be weird to not play him at all. I mean, he's clearly the fourth player, but he does different things than the other three do, and I think he'd get mixed in there, which could be beneficial to have just another guy defenses to worry about, but we'll see. If we could turn him into a um, a starter, even if it's not that great of a starter, I, I'd be happy about it. Tight end, you think they'll make any—spend any money to bring in a new tight end?
2: I could see them, you know, maybe throwing in like a— A late round draft pick, you know, again, just because you uh, if you want to kind of throw in a third option, maybe bringing another blocking tight end. You know, I I could see that because your third tight end is basically Johnny Munt who, yeah, he, he played here and there. But, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all to see them, you know, go go after someone like that. It would really shock me a little bit to see them pursue a free agent tight end. At least, you know, that would be worth more than the veteran minimum. But, yeah, I think we see the same Higby-Everett uh, duo that we have in the past couple of seasons.
1: Maybe like a late round pick. Very late on a tight end. But uh, I think there's more pressing needs. And I think Everett, is he's he improved a lot this year and giving him a bigger role. I mean, we'll see what happens. It'll be interesting. Um, I really like it's been slow. It's been frustrating at times, but he's genuinely improved. Uh, even it seems like every game since about the team, probably the most important and interesting position heading into this offseason is the offensive line. This is a group that, Looked more or less the same over the last few years. Whatever it was, we swapped in Austin Blythe for Jamon Brown. But this could be a very different unit week one next season. Andrew Whitworth, he's under contract, but there's rumors that he might be retiring. Roger Saffold is a free agent. Um, John Sullivan is under contract, but can be released with had a quarter of his contract being a cap hit but not a huge hit if we want to spend that money elsewhere um and then Blythe and Havenstein are, are under contract but what do you think happens with this position heading into the offseason in terms of our internal guys
2: it depends on a couple of things because uh you know yeah you you bring in you you brought up uh Whitworth And whether he retires or not, it's still a position of concern because in my personal opinion, I I know we drafted Joseph Noteboom, but I don't see him as a left tackle in this league. I don't. And my personal opinion, I would feel a little more comfortable if we got more depth at left tackle. I know Noteboom can kind of fill in as, you know, uh as a temporary filler but that's all he would be uh, I I'd be terrified to see Nobu as a as a starting left tackle for Goff I I'd actually feel sorry for Goff at that point
1: because wow
2: what? No I'm serious <laughs> I, I mean tell
1: him tell him how you feel
2: No okay okay let me uh let me
1: I did not clear. expect Joseph Noteboom to just be thrown over the coals on this podcast today.
2: <laughs> okay, so let's be clear. I uh, that's not a shot at Noteboom as an overall player. That's a shot at Noteboom as a left tackle. And this absurd idea, and I, I think I've seen I've read this in a few places, that this absurd idea that Noteboom could be prepping to be the starting left tackle of the future I think is ridiculous, Uh, point blank. I I think this guy is a designated guard, potentially right tackle, and I'd feel way more comfortable uh, no boom as a guard, maybe taking over Austin Blythe or potentially Roger Saffold if uh, we can't come to an agreement. I personally would rather have Saffold on the team uh, for – at discount, he did mention earlier in the year that he would be willing to take a pay cut if it would help the team. Which I hope he stays true to his word.
1: Yeah, I don't but know if I, you saw. He said this week that he'd love to be back, but he's got to make sure he takes care of his family. So that pay cut, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if he's going to take one.
2: Well, you know, if if he wants. If he wants top dollar, I say, you know, I would love to have you back, but I I wouldn't invest a lot of money on Stafford just because he is getting up there in age. And while he he has been pretty solid, um I think at that point you just take take a chance on No boom, maybe draft a few more guards, you know, to create more depth, but that's where I'd like to see No Boom, not left tackle. Let's make that very clear
1: i think yeah whitworth is gonna be a big key if he leaves or not but if he does if he does leave it's gonna free up a lot of cap space so i think if they lose whitworth they will spend money but if they if he comes back and they lose saffold um i i don't know what happens i think they might just try and plug nope in um i think sullivan is a weak link on the line but I don't know how much they like Brian Allen. If they like him, I think he'll just be the guy to replace him. If not, I wouldn't mind seeing them spend some money on a decent center. But, yeah, it's going to depend on Whitworth. But, I don't know. I think Saffold should be a priority. Out of all the guys that are upcoming free agents that we don't have on the books, I think he is probably the most important guy to bring back, personally. But he's getting old and if somebody throws a lot of money at him uh it's going to be tough to match well
2: at the same time too you brought up uh Sullivan and for me it it, it would depend on how much uh Sean McVay likes Brian Allen because if they like Allen why not take a take a chance on him see see what happens uh maybe invest in a veteran backup um but if we were to, um, if they don't like Allen that much as a starter, that's when you invest in a, in a veteran center. I don't like the idea of drafting another rookie center to uh, be basically the center of, of the offensive line here. It, it just doesn't make sense. You're, you're better off with Allen, who has had a, a year under his belt, uh, even if he isn't that great. Break the bank. For starting center. It's very important. Uh this past Super Bowl was an indicator of it.
1: Yeah. Uh yeah, I think somebody they they might need to inject some fresh blood in this line and if you can get Saffold back and a Whitworth stays, I think center is where it's gonna happen. Uh, unless they want to move on from Blythe, which uh he played well at times, but it it wouldn't be the end of the world to me if they moved on from him. Um, okay, let's talk about our other sponsor, the original sponsor, the Golden Ram Barbershop. Guys, if you're looking to support one of your own out there in the Orange County area and you like that old school classic barbershop experience, check out the Golden Ram Barbershop at 13755 Golden West Street in Westminster, California. Zip code is 92683. Our friend Sal Martinez opened up his shop as the Shrine of the Rams on the day the team left for St. Louis, and he didn't quit on them. He kept the lights on ever since, and he got his Rams back. He's by appointment only, so give him a call at 714-894-RAMS. Again, 714-894-7267. Use the promo code RAMSTOCK so he knows we sent you, and you're going to get a discount on an already affordable haircut. And he knows he's getting a listener. who will be able to give him a debate on whether Julian Edelman's a Hall of Famer or not. The Golden Ram Barbershop is open Monday through Friday from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. and Saturdays from 7 a.m. to 4 p.m. One more time, guys, give Sal a call at 714-894-7267. Visit the Sal Shop is worth it. Not only just enjoy all the great Rams, Rams memorabilia you're gonna find there, but Sal also provides that old school classic barbershop experience. He's gonna talk Rams football up with you and anything else you guys want. Guys, trust me, you won't regret checking out Sal Martinez at the Golden Ram barbershop. All right, defensive line. We'll start with interior lineman Aaron Donald obviously locked up long term. Thank God. We don't have to deal deal with that debate in this offseason. But two guys that we've talked about a bit Nadabic and Sue, unrestricted free agent. Michael Brockers, if they choose to cut him, he the team would save $10 million on a 750 k cap hit. So while I don't think it's likely, it's definitely possible that Brockers gets cut. But uh, do you think both of these guys come back next year or just one? Or uh, how do you feel?
2: I think Brockers will be back next season. And I think it wouldn't hurt to uh, ask Brockers to restructure his contract. Uh, you know, worst thing you could say is no, but uh, you know, I I do think that's something that they do that they should do is approach Brockers And, you know, with the angle, like, Hey uh, you know, we know we're we're happy with the work you've done for us, but um, we're trying to win a championship here. We're very close, but we need some cash. Uh, And that's kind of basically how you need to approach that in terms of Sue, Uh, You know, I wish I had seen his production that he had did in the entire playoffs throughout the entire season. And there were a few games where he did okay. You know, he did pretty well in, in, in like maybe a game or two. But majority of the season, he just wasn't there. And for that reason, I wouldn't feel comfortable bringing him back. Um, at least not for the money he will probably command. I don't think he was really necessarily worth $13 million, but I know there there's going to be a team out there that's going to pay him what he wants. So unless he comes back and says, hey, I want to win a Super Bowl with the Rams, I, I don't expect him back.
1: I, I actually wouldn't mind Sue coming back, even if it's on – now maybe not for 14 mil, but I think they have to evaluate how they're going to be spending long term, and if they want to lock up some players on long term deals, maybe maybe you get rid of Sue. But I think if you have the cap space to keep him for this year, um, I think you do it. I think if you even if he's like 12 mil, 11 mil, I think just his presence—he's a guy who he has a lot of gravity to him on the field because he's just such a notoriously you know just a powerful uh, infamous kind of player he didn't produce as a 14 million guy but you know you look at the defense he comes in and donald has 21 and a half sacks so i think just his presence benefited the team if he's gone if somebody locks him up for a lot of money whatever i think it's fine but if you can get him back on another one-year deal i I wouldn't mind it. I, I really wouldn't want to give him long-term money, but I'd like him to be back. And I think Brockers, I'd love for him to restructure a little bit, um, but I don't know if I would if I were him. It's a lot of money he's going to get. Uh, I wouldn't mind getting all that cash. But, yeah, man, he's got a big hit, and I think they're really going to... It's going to be a tough time evaluating these two in terms of their the money that the team's going to spend on them. Uh, Brockers is very good but i don't think he's worth 11 million dollars um but i think it really depends on what else is out there and who you can get let's move on to linebackers um i will start we'll do interior or we'll do inside and outside separately let's start with outside um dante fowler is a free agent he's mid-season acquisition he was the best linebacker do you think he's here next year and if not, do you think that they or even if he is, you think they put invest money into this position in the offseason to bring in somebody else?
2: I, I personally love Fowler. I, I think that, you know, he, there were times he didn't show up, but when he did, he made a big difference. And I do like Fowler, but I don't know if I would be willing to invest a lot in Fowler. And that's, that's kind of a big point here because for us not wanting to spend big money on Fowler, there's going to be a lot of teams that look for the big money for Fowler. So I'm not saying that he'll, he'll get top dollar, but he'll, he'll get a decent chunk of change, whether it be for the Rams or somewhere else. And I, I do see a team going to be eyeballing him. And bringing him in, and you know, taking a risk, maybe a one or two year deal, and giving him you know decent money. Uh, for the Rams, I, I don't think they they'll invest that much on him uh, personally, but I I know that it's an area of concern, and I think that they will invest money in somebody else, uh, whether it be in the draft or whether it be you know. Um, just kind of finding a, a nice veteran out there in free agency, which, you know, it's, it's doable. So uh, I, I'd like to see Fowler back, but I, I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Yeah, I think I'm inclined to agree with you here. I think they're going to be okay if he gets a decent-sized contract and they can get back a fourth or even third-round pick and compensatory selection. But I think he's just going to command too much money and – you already have Donald Cooks, Gurley locked up. You're gonna have Goff locked up soon. Uh, there's a lot of needs on this team, and I think they look to add a cheap that that's capable of this position. Uh, a Connor Barwin, adjacent player, probably not Connor Barwin, but somebody who could kind of fill in the role like he did his in McVay's first year. And yeah, this I'd love to see them add someone to the draft. But if Fowler goes, I'd want to see them get. Spend some money at this position in free agency, whether it's a cheap bet or maybe even somebody a little better, and also draft somebody to kind of test it out. And I mean, maybe Obo something, Okoronkwo, but we'll see. We'll see how those guys that we drafted provide anything. Inside linebackers, Mark Barron, one of the weirder contracts. If we cut him before June 1st, he has a 3.3 million dead cap hit. After June first, it's only 1.6 million, so uh, it's kind of shitty for him because I think they would want to cut him, but they'd have to wait a while to make that happen. And at that point, why why even bother? Um, because who are you going to go out and get? So I, I actually think there's a chance Barron is a guy that gets restructured um, because they'll probably tell him, "Look, you could either restructure or we're going to cut you this late." And you're gonna have to find a team in June, so I, I don't. I wouldn't love to have him back, but I think it's possible. And the other guy, obviously, is Corey Littleton, who I actually think is a guy they need to bring back. Um, I think he cooled off a little bit, and as a result, I don't think he's gonna demand command a ton of money out there. I think we should be able to get him back on a nice contract. Uh, it's, we're gonna have to open the checkbook a little bit, but um, I hope that they move on from Barron and bring in somebody else, but I don't know how feasible it is. Uh, how do you feel about what they're going to do with this position?
2: Oh, man, this this one's kind of tough. So, I, you know, I think for Barron, he is a decent player, but he's not worth nearly what his contract is, is asking. And for that reason, I think that... Yeah, they can ask to restructure, but it becomes the question: Is he the right fit at this point for Wade Phillips' defense? And I'm starting to think no, you know. And I, I think at this point, you you may as well cut the guy, and you know, try and find you know better players again, whether it be from the draft or whether it be uh, you know veteran. I'd prefer a veteran at this point, just because we we do have some needs elsewhere. Uh, and we don't have a lot of picks in this year's draft. Uh I, I do realize we'll get some, you know uh some
1: compensatory picks, but Well they wouldn't mm. kick in till next year. So um this year we get one from Sammy Watkins, so we'll have yeah. a second third round pick. Um did we lose anybody else last year? Um I don't think so, uh, right? I think so, no. Let me let me do some research real quick. Actually, I, do we have a
2: third round pick this year? I don't think we do. We don't
1: have a second round pick. Um, sorry for my typing. I know this is the worst podcasting thing. I hate when people type in podcasts. Um, so we, I, got, I got the draft pick, or oh, they haven't announced the compensatory picks yet. Um. Anyways, keep talking about this position, and I will get back to you. <laughs>
2: okay, so um, in terms of of Baron, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, want him back. To be honest with you, I know there isn't a lot to speak of after Baron, uh, at least on the current roster. But that's why I think we do need to spend some money. And as for Littleton, I like Littleton a lot. I really do. I think he was one of the definitely one of the high points uh, in the Super Bowl game. That being said, I know he's gonna uh, he's gonna get a, a a big offer, whether it be from the Rams or another team. I, I think that he just played so well last year, and yeah, there was a few games he didn't do well in, but most of the year he did pretty well. Uh, he was technically named to the pro bowler as a special teamer but uh overall I felt like he did extremely well and I think he's just going to command a lot of money and I I don't know if the Rams are going to be able to afford a long-term deal for Corey Littleton if we can get him at a fair price I would say absolutely bring him back 100% but me personally I I think he's gone next season just because I think he's going to command too much money.
1: Yeah, I hope I, – I don't mean to hate on Littleton. I hope the market firm's not too big, but we'll see. I think it really depend on market value. And I don't think his will be as high as Fowler. Um, I think it's a position that a lot of teams would rather address through the draft, and for that reason, hopefully we can get him back on a nice contract. Okay, we had a team captain that walked last year and got a huge payday that we didn't mention which is weird because I feel like it's been so long since this player played for the Rams. You know what I'm talking about?
2: Uh, Ogletree.
1: Not well. He we lost him, but we lost a player in free agency. Uh, actually, at the position we're about to talk about. Oh, Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson. It feels like a long. It does not feel like he. It's been a year since he was on the Rams. Like, it feels like it's been a year since Sammy Watkins has been on the Rams, but it feels like ages since Jermaine. It's <laughs> yeah, crazy. That's... Wow. That is true, man. That's crazy. So, we are going to get... We don't have our third round pick because we traded for Fowler, So, but we we should be getting two from Sammy Watkins and Jermaine Johnson, um, and then a seventh round pick from Cody Davis, which is kind of funny, that... We were able to get a seven round pick for Cody Davis. <laughs>
2: Which is kind of funny.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, the fact that we got any value for that player makes me laugh. He was not very good. Um let's talk about cornerbacks. So we can get rid of both Marcus Peters and Aki Taleb with no penalty. Uh if we keep him, Talib will be nine or Taleb will be eight million this year, Peters will be nine million. Um personally I think Peters is going to be locked to be here. I think Tlaib should definitely be here. I wouldn't call it a lock, but I think those are both going to bring guys who want to bring back. Roby Coleman will be back uh, unless they trade him. His his contract is not worth cutting. Um, Honestly, I think they need to bring in a replacement for Roby Coleman or just a third cornerback to kind of help ease things. I don't know if it will be during the draft or through free agency, but Roby Coleman was awful in the last few games of the season Uh, he's our slot cornerback and Edelman had 140 yards on the Super Bowl MVP he literally should have lost us the Saints game if they threw that flag which thank God they didn't I mean he was (laughs) I don't know man he's not really a guy I want to see in the field very much this year I feel like he got benched at times during the season we just saw him not out there Uh, I don't think Wade trusts him anymore uh, I don't think he will trust him after the playoffs. So it, he might even be a cut even with his dead cap. That'll be interesting. But how do you think cornerback plays out?
2: Well, absolutely. I, I want to keep uh, Peters and Tlaib. Um I, I think it'd be kind of dumb at this point to get rid of either one of these guys. But um, I, I know Peters is, is under contract, correct?
1: Peters and Tlaib are both under contracts, but we can terminate either with no cap it
2: okay in that case yeah absolutely keep them both I think at this point, eight, eight, nine million for these two uh, I, I, I think is is more than fair you know I think these two are solid players uh, especially when they're both playing on the field together uh, I think they're one of the most toughest uh, cornerback duos in the in the league. Uh, in terms of um, Nickrobibie Coleman, you know the kind of the the upsetting thing about Coleman is he played so well last season and I don't know if it's just because he is uncomfortable at playing slot. I I, I don't I, I don't know like it, it's just so weird because last season he was a solid option. You know, uh, he wasn't, the. I mean, he was no Marcus Peters or Aqib Tlaib, but, you know, I thought he was a, a very good cornerback. And then after, you know, this season, I, I don't know if I want him on the team, you know, but I don't know if you give him the benefit of the doubt because he uh, was playing, you know, the, uh, against slot receivers. I, I don't know. Uh, for me, it's just so weird. I, I, I would personally cut him. At this point, just because I don't think he's, you know, really worth what we were what we're paying him currently, and on top of that, I mean, you also kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt, Steve, because he's playing against a, a Hall of Fame Julian Jesus Edelman. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to throw that in. <laughs> okay, okay. Joking aside. Yes, uh, I, I would I would move on from Coleman, and I think, you know, with Wade Phillips, we can go into the draft and maybe consider uh, drafting maybe a third-round pick with one of the compensatory picks. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to that. I'm sure that we can look at, uh, you know, veteran cornerbacks as well. I, I hear A.J. Gaines is about to hit the market, so maybe bring him back. What do you think?
1: <laughs> Shit, why not, dude? I like D.J. Gaines. Uh, poor guy can't stay healthy, though.
2: Well, there's that. And uh, <laughs> Then there, I, I think we're forgetting one cornerback. Uh, who's that one corner? That, <laughs> who's that one corner again? Sure. I, I don't want to say his name.
1: He's not under contract. Um, I mean, do you think there's a chance he's back? Your, your boy, Troy Hill?
2: Oh, God. Um, you know, a, as I joke about that, I will say this. There are times this season that Troy Hill really stepped up for us in a big way. And I think, um, even Wade Phillips did favor Hill more so than, than Coleman at times during the year, which says a lot. So for me, if the Rams brought him back on a veteran minimum, I would not oppose that at all. Uh, He's not my favorite cornerback out there, but I would love to kind of see bring in, you know, fresh new blood that might be a little bit more talented, but that's just me.
1: I'd, I think he gets a little more than the better a minimum, but like if we get him for like two or less, uh sure, why not? He he we sh- we rag on him, but like he for being our fourth cornerback, he did fine when he was called upon. Uh, last position safety, John Johnson locked up, very cheap deal. Uh, happy to have him. The only other safety on the roster is Marquis Christian, who uh, kind of was um, Barron's backup more than he was Joyner's. Uh, LaMarcus Joyner obviously was on the franchise tag this year. He's a free agent. I think we both in agreement that there's no shot he's on the team next year.
2: Yeah, I'd be really shocked to see Lamarcus Joyner back next season unless, you know, Joyner was like, you know what, I understand I screwed up. I'll come work for you guys for, you know, uh, the bare minimum, which won't happen because there'll be a team out there saying, hey, I will gladly give you a five-year, you know, $80 million contract because, you know, you're a Ram safety and that's what we do. It wouldn't
1: surprise me <laughs> if the. <laughs> <laughs> and look, I mentioned on previous podcasts, Les Need always finds a way to replace safeties. I think that's been his. Th- yeah, he's signed McVay, but I think the one position he hasn't really messed up is safety, even though he's messed it up multiple times by having guys lead- come and go and whatnot. He always finds a replacement. Uh, I think we've draft we've been exceptional at drafting safeties. Uh, even drafting defensive backs in general, I think they the team's done a great job on that. I mean, um, McDonald was decent. Obviously, Tremaine and Janoris Jenkins are very good cornerbacks. So I think that safety more than likely will be addressed in the draft. I think they would bring in um, a reserve safety through free agency, just somebody, you know, like a somebody along the lines of like what Ramick Wilson was when we signed him, Ramique Wilson when we signed him last year. So yeah, I don't think you'd they spend big money on safety. It's not Sneed's MO and I think Joiner, unless Joiner comes back at like six million a year or something like that. Um, I, I think he's gone. Uh, that'd be surprising. And that's it. Johnny Hecker, Greg Zerline and Jake McQuater are all locked up on contracts. So um <laughs> that's it man this is you got any parting thoughts on the Super Bowl before we lay this game to rest Uh,
2: just that you know um, be be disappointed don't be pissed off I've seen some of the comments on Twitter and Facebook and some of you guys really need a chill pill like seriously it, your negativity is probably not good for your heart I'm just saying uh, no, seriously, like, some of these guys, like, man, you guys, you guys must be real, the life of the party, like, good lord, did you got did your guys, you know, did your puppy die? Like, man, who spit in your Wheaties? You know, I get it, losing the Super Bowl sucks, but, um, some, like, I, I think I read a comment to the extent, like, oh, that's it, you know, the Rams aren't gonna get another chance for another, like, 20 years, it's like, God, you know, another 20 years, like, what the hell do you think we're going to be doing for the next 20 years? You know, if we were under Jeff Fisher era, then, yeah, I might agree with you. But, you know, this this is a team that's on the upswing. Uh, You know, just be happy, be happy. You know, we got to a Super Bowl. We didn't win. Oh, well, next year, maybe, maybe the following year. You never know. Just yeah, that's it. Rent
1: over. <laughs> I'm with you, man. Uh, this, is year, this was year two of the Sean McVay experiment. We went to the Super Bowl. Our best players are young, all going to be here for a long time. I would be stunned if Jared Goff didn't sign a contract extension here. Um, the window is short, yes. Next year is going to be pivotal because it's the last year of Goff's rookie deal before the contracts will be kind of hectic. But look, Les Snead has drafted well. And even when we're spending big chunks of money on five or six players, I, I still feel like when those players are Jared Goff, Todd Gurley, Brandon Cooks, and Aaron Donald, you can put low uh, guys on small contracts around them and succeed. So we'll see what happens, man. I mean, this is only the third time in 53 years that the Rams have been in the Super Bowl. Fourth. Wow. I should know that fourth time in 53 years um look the lions and car or the lions have never made the super bowl so it, it could be worse guys um yeah well that's it for us you can follow us on twitter at talk rams and on facebook at facebook.com slash rams talk uh, don't forget to join the rams talk room on facebook to get in on any julian edelman hall of fame debates you'd like to be in on you can follow me on twitter at c rivero you can follow johnny at johnny5not6 and don't forget to find us wherever you can get your podcast and on clutchpoints.com all right guys we'll be back next week we'll talk to you then
0: Check out schwans.com backslash yum for details. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. Let's say you make it to the top. What's next? Relish in the glory of your accomplishments? Okay, sure, for a minute. But then you move forward. Take the 2021 Escalade. Cadillac's newest arrival is more than just a celebration of iconic luxury. It's the most technologically advanced Escalade ever. Because arriving is just the beginning. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Mother's Day is almost here.